Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. What if starting your career from scratch after moving to Canada doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing? This episode's guest has a truly inspiring knack for looking at every job as a learning opportunity and doing whatever it takes to succeed. Malik Al-Jabari moved to Canada in 2016 with his wife and then one-year-old daughter and has since progressed from a Domino's and Uber employee to a successful engineering role and to now a proud entrepreneur. And it was crazy, crazy time. Like we literally moved to Toronto. We had like maybe 120 bucks in our bank account. We didn't have the rent for next month. He told me, you got to start delivering pizza. It's a good paying uh, job. It's very flexible. It's a good start. Uh, he, he actually said food delivery. So I started going to, I, I went to Burger King and I was like, guys, are you hiring drivers? And they were like, we don't deliver. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then I went to several Domino's pizza locations and they ended up hiring me. And it was really hard for my ego because back home, since I graduated, I worked for my dad. I was running his companies and now I'm this guy who delivers pizza and then clean the dishes and wipe the floor after the shift ends. Malik's relentless work ethic will give you the tough wake-up call that you may need if you are shying away from roles that you think are beneath you. Malik reminds us all that we are so much more than our careers and that anything really is possible when you have passion, confidence and dedication. Let's start the show. Hi, Malik. How are you? It's good to see you again, twice in one week. Yeah, hi, Kit. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so Malik attended our virtual social a couple of nights ago. So for anyone listening who doesn't know, you're invited too. It's the, the last Monday of every month. I invite any international living in Canada, uh, anyone hoping to move to Canada to, to join us for our Zoom call. Uh, they're always so much fun. We get such a diverse group together chatting away. And um, yeah, it's a great way to meet new people, hear familiar accents and support each other so yeah registration for that is on the website the newcomercollective.com uh your daughter made an appearance as well did she have fun yeah yeah <laughs> she 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 make she makes sure to show up uh, almost in any meeting <laughs> <laughs> all of the business ones too yep of course <laughs> <laughs> how old is she she is six years old six. and if, if if it's not her it's this guy right here Oh, ginger cat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't get to see him at the social, so now I get Last to. time he was <laughs> sleeping somewhere. Yeah, mine always just weighs my leg down for the whole social and I get dead legs by the end of it, but um, yeah. So you guys are living in Oakville, Ontario at the moment, right? How is that? Yep, it's fantastic. Yeah? We love it here. What made you choose Oakville? So we found about Oakville through my cousin who moved to Canada the same year we moved in five years ago. And he did his homework and he found this is like one of the top cities in terms of community, schools, ratings. So that's how I found about it. We we didn't, we were in London, Ontario for my wife's uh, school. Then we moved to Toronto's downtown. 
But then once, you know, with the pandemic happened, we still used to live in Toronto in a condo unit. Mm-hmm. And we thought, and you know, for our daughter, it was getting really tight. There's no space, especially with the pandemic. It was really hard. So we moved to Oakville. We rented a townhouse and it's, it's great. The school is great. The teacher is great. So it's, it oh, works so out. Good. Well. Was this a recent move then? We've been, we moved here August 2020. So we've been here one year, four or five months. Okay, so I've previously had another guest from Jordan on the show. His name's Faris, and I interviewed him for season two, episode 16. And we talked about the Dead Sea and how incredible that is that you can float because the salt saturation makes the water so dense that you're kind of weightless. And um, how it's also the lowest point on Earth, so your chances of sunburn are super low because the UV rays can't reach you. So that's really cool. Um, But yeah, I'm interested to hear your perspective and recommendations for Jordan as well. So whereabouts did you grow up? So I grew up in Amman, the capital of Jordan. Uh, Jordan is so beautiful, even for, especially for tourism. Like there's so many unique places there. The desert, the mountains. Uh, most people, they think when they think of Middle East, they think only of desert. Like mm-hmm. we barely see the desert. Like like we need to drive like three <laughs> hours to get there. You know? Right? <laughs> yeah, because you have real seasons too. Because I was googling that. I was like, so when's the best time to go to Jordan? It's probably hot all year. Just assumed that in my ignorance, and it's not. You have real winter seasons as well, and you have snow in some high elevation parts. But... Yeah, but. Like, it's nothing compared to Canada, for sure. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, even the winter, it's not as brutal, for sure. But, uh, and it's much shorter. This is the nice part. Like, we only get to use jackets for, like, three, four months, I guess, there. Mm. And even in the coldest days, if you're bored of cold, you can just drive to the Dead Sea and wear your shorts and T-shirts. That's uh, it was like nice. 30 minutes away from where I lived. So that was really convenient. Oh, wow. So you did go there a lot. Not really, because I didn't know the privilege <laughs> I had. Now I wish I have that once I moved to Canada. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. So what did you do for a, a you know, typical weekend growing up there? You were in the city, so I guess it was just your typical city life. You know? I was actually busy, really busy. I was working with my dad my whole life, helping him through the weekends the summer break so like I, I, it was not like a typical you know time off for me like other kids mm-hmm. it's like for me I'm either at school or at college or work at work with my dad this is how I grew up wow. so I, I of course had fun I traveled a lot but a typical week for me is school and work and sneaking you know fun here and there does your family originate from jordan because i know my previous guest his parents were palestinian so i'm just wondering yeah me too oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. so like both my parents originally from palestine my old grandparents and grandmothers uh, grandparents they were born in palestine my dad was born in jerusalem uh, my mom was born in jordan after her family moved from palestine to jordan but like, yeah, I have like a huge, my family is like the second or first biggest family in Hebron in Palestine, but I never been there yet. Oh, wow. Claim yeah, like there are tens of thousands of them, but I don't know any of them. <laughs> are you the only people living in, in Canada, your little unit? In Canada, I have only a cousin. That's it. Uh, my wife has her aunt. He, she used, she moved to Canada like 15 years ago or 12 years ago. And also her parents led her, like maybe six months after we moved in, they also moved to London, Ontario. So, and they live in London, Ontario now. Nice. So 
Let's talk about Jordan. So what do you miss the most, apart from obviously family and friends um, the food. and maybe the, the Dead Sea? The food. Oh, you've already answered the food. Okay. <laughs> Tell us all about that. What's your favorite food that you miss? Oh, uh, the real falafel and hummus that, you know, like mm. nothing here tastes like back home. Uh, the shawarma we have, the, you know, in my opinion, the best shawarma in the world. So yeah, that, that actually was a bit a struggle for me to find a food. I, I was missing the food. Food is a huge deal over there, right? It's, is, is it true that it's kind of frowned upon to say no? Because I read that if you say no, I'm full too many times. It could be <laughs> like that upset some people because it's just your hospitality and you want to please people. So you just keep giving more and more food. <laughs> yeah, actually that's yes. And this is why now when I go back home, I, I end up offending so many people because I like, I'm, I don't eat this <laughs> yeah. anymore. I'm like, Take the sweet. I'm, I don't eat it. I'm trying to be healthy. And like they, they get mad at me. But yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's the hospitality, hospitality is a bit extreme, honestly, too. Sometimes it gets, it gets unhealthy. <laughs> I feel like everybody going home, you always get so, yeah, your diet kind of gets thrown out the window when you go home. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, I, so I came to Canada and I stayed here like for two years before I go for my first visit. So I kind of, separated for a long time then once i went back home i started seeing all these things i didn't notice before like the that extreme hospitality that um mm. you know other stuff like it, it was kind of a very interesting experience yeah that's so true because you you have to kind of you have that step back to to see your home country where in, in a whole different light because you've been away and then yeah you're, you're so right even England I go back and there's so many things that I forgot or like what you were mentioning we take for granted like the the Dead Sea and what do you recommend to to do in Jordan if we were to visit is there a place that you would always visit or um yeah of course Wadi Rum and Petra so they're close to each other. Petra, where Indiana Jones was filmed. I was chatting with uh, Faris about that as well. It looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't mention last time that it's beautiful in the daytime, but I actually was looking at photos of it at night and it looks even more magical. You know, there's all these candles that line the buildings. Yeah. So yeah, I'd probably go. I've never been there in the night. So yeah, it looks really cool. I th- I actually, I think it's a new thing they started doing like maybe five years ago or something. It was not always like yeah. that. It's like the new thing. Yeah. It's like go at night time. Yeah, but <laughs> even Wadi Ram, which is like that desert next to it, it's it's magical in the night. There's no light pollution. Mm, you see stars. the stars. It feels like you're in a 3D show. Like every, you feel like you can sink into the sky. It was magical. Like that night, I, last night I was there, I didn't want to sleep. I just I just wanted to look. It was a very interesting yeah. experience. Yeah. It's one of those countries where you really do feel like you've traveled so far to, to almost a different planet, right? It's like you can go to these city breaks and you can go to different countries that are quite similar to Canadian culture and Western culture. But then you could go to these countries where there's so much different history and, and different... You have um, that the ruins that are actually from Rome as well there. Yeah. So yeah, there's so much to see it, but it's all so different. So. Yeah. And, and you know, the yeah. best part, you don't have to drive too long. Like you can drive along across Jordan in five hours. So, nice. so you're what a dream, eh? For these <laughs> yeah. Canadian newcomers. <laughs> yeah. We drive a lot here. When I, when I came here, actually I had to adapt to the highway. Like 
I couldn't make the trip from London, Ontario to Toronto and go back in one day. Like I always had that to... drive is brutal as well because it's just one straight road. And yeah, I've been so bored in my life. I'm like, there's nothing to look at, and it just goes on for hours. Just for straight. the first year, <laughs> almost every trip, especially when going back at the end of the day, I have to stop somewhere, take a nap for an hour or two in the in an hour car. I couldn't, but now I'm much better. I can drive much longer now. Yeah. Or in the winter, you can crack a window and it's so cold. It kind of keeps you awake. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. What about Mount Nebo? Have you visited there? Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is nice. Yeah. I've been there. Like whenever I get guests, guests from outside Jordan, I take them to Mount Nemo because it was even 30 yeah. minutes away from where I live. So it was convenient to go there. This is just the viewpoint over the, the valley, right? Exactly. You see the views of the Holy Land. And it's it's the spot where Moses saw the promised land before he died. So it's, you know, that it's such a great place to, to check off the list and, and say you've seen for sure. Yeah. Really spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely recommend Jordan for tourism. It's really fun. Not because I'm from there. It's really fun. I, I enjoy going there as a tourist. Yeah. Have you? Has your daughter gone? Or because she moved when she was quite young, right? So I was just yeah, wondering, have you yeah, made the trip back with her? The last time was in January 2019, and and now we want to go there. But as as I mentioned two days ago, we're waiting for our citizenship ceremony, and we cannot go anywhere now. But, right. But, yes. Yeah. You were saying that at the social. Yeah. So you're waiting for your confirmation and so you have to be here for the ceremony to accept your passports. And if yeah. you're abroad, then you won't be able to get your passports. And so you're kind of stuck here until that happens. But yeah, yeah. that's so exciting, though. You're going to you're going to have your passports. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a milestone for sure. But yeah, we, we were hoping to spend the Christmas back home, but it seems we're not going to be able to make it. Hmm. So your first experience living in a different country was back in college, right? When you spent some time in the States? Yeah, I went for an work and travel exchange program in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin Dells. Oh, my Irish friends just moved there. You know, when you meet people that you really love in Canada and then they leave you? <laughs> that just happened to me again. So they're in Wisconsin. Yeah. Wow. What's it like there? What was that experience like? Well, that was my first cultural shock for me. <laughs> Uh, because you know like for us people coming from third world countries like a cultural shock can be as simple as standing in a line because we don't have lines back home so really? <laughs> so like oh my yeah yeah so but it was really interesting it was fun it was like work and travel like it was all students so the purpose was to have fun uh it was brutal for me because i was very dependent on my parents it was the first time i traveled on my own i was 18 years old so I struggled a lot. I I felt nostalgic most of the time. But still, you know, I had fun. It was amazing. And it definitely, you know, uh, helped me to settle in once I moved to Canada. Because once I came here, I was like, oh, my God, it feels like a lot like Wisconsin. Mm. So... Yeah, what a great experience at such a young age too. And I guess it was good for your English skills as well. And yeah, yeah to get that independence away from your family and to kind of see what else is out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you eventually moved to Canada in... 2016 you said five years ago or? yes in july mid-july see you're smart we were saying at the social that everyone moves in the winter and it just makes no sense yeah every time you talk to an international it's like oh yeah i moved in january and it was freezing so yeah you were smart actually i'm happy i came in summer yeah because it's already ex uh, you know exhausting experience and very challenging yeah. but with the weather oh my god like i'm really happy we came in midsummer. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it kind of crushes that stereotype of it being so cold and, you know, this frozen country because you land in July and it's like, wow, it's actually so hot and humid and there's boats and swimming and, yeah, that definitely shocked me because I didn't expect such a beautiful But, you know, even even summers here, they have their challenges. So back home for us, summer, like, it's impossible to rain in summer. It never happens. I didn't even know this thing exists, like rain in summer. Maybe we studied it back home in geography, but I totally forgot about it. <laughs> so the, the first shock happened when I went to Wisconsin. And I, you know, I remember when we landed in Chicago's airport and I saw that um, the runway wet. Apparently it rained that day. And like my brain tried to analyze why would it be wet? Are they trying to wash the runway? Like <laughs> I, I was willing to accept the idea they're washing the runway, but not actually it rained. So, and I remember when we went to London, Ontario, like I, I was excited. I wanted to, you know what? I'm not going to buy a car here. They have really good transit system. We're going to use the buses. That's it. And when the first uh, thunderstorm came in, I was like, oh no, no, I'm getting a car. Once I saw the first <laughs> thunderstorm because we had a one year old baby. So like, I'm not going to take her out waiting for the bus in this weather. It freaked me out. Mm-hmm. I never seen such thunderstorms in my life but in wisconsin and here like it's just it can get scary sometimes yeah that's true actually i never have seen storms like it that they get here either it's the humidity i guess and the pressure that they have because even in england yeah we get a lot of rain but we never have those big bangs of thunder i've never heard anything like it it's like shaking the house and i just stare out the window still it's yeah it's yeah wild here. you know it like is. When we used to live in North York, before we moved to Oakville, we had like um, a condo unit on the 10th floor. And our view was on Downsview Airport and then, you know, Etobicoke and Mississauga. It was just open spaces. And when thunderstorms comes in, sometimes you could see the, the lightning go- going all the way to the to the ground. Yeah, it's nuts. Nuts. So why did you come to Canada then? Because you'd obviously, you were familiar with the state. So first, I decided to move out of Jordan for so many reasons, some of their personal, like, I just wanted to explore, you know, living in a foreign country. I wanted, you know, better life for my daughter, for myself and my wife. Like, I just like, I was not really happy with Jordan. There are really some big challenges back there. So I was like, okay, let's, let's move out. And, you know, whenever I, I used to travel a lot and whenever I travel, I'm just like mind blown. So one of the countries that really blew my mind is Germany. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, so beautiful. It's perfect. I'm a, I used to be a perfectionist. So everything is there. Perfect. Everything organized. So that, clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was my dreamland. I remember walking around Munich and all the bikes were just didn't have locks on them. Like they don't even steal bikes. Wow. I, I was like, if that bike was there in England, it would be gone in like 10 minutes. Or Toronto. <laughs> there's literally like 50 <laughs> bikes just laying on the ground with no padlocks. Yeah. 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 So I started making uh, a market study, like, okay, where I'm going to move. So my options were Australia, UK, Germany, Canada, and the States. And Canada was the best in, like, I made Excel sheets, scoring system, like I'm an engineer, so I took it really extreme. (laughs) And scoring points. And, like, Canada scored, like, almost good in everything except two categories, the traveling distance to back home or... And the weather. Right. So it's the worst in weather. And uh, along with the States and even Australia, actually, it's even worse. But uh, we we ended up picking up Canada. And I'm really happy with it, honestly. Like now, after everything, um, I think I'm still, I, if, if I go back in time, I would come back to Canada. 
Yeah. Oh, good. So no regrets. That's awesome. No. Wow. And so five years ago, your daughter was only one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we mentioned that during the social, didn't we? That she's pretty, she pretty much sounds like a full blown Canadian at this point. Oh, yeah. Does she point out your mistakes and accent a lot? Yeah. Yeah. I actually ask her to do that. I ask her to, uh, to, f- to correct my accent. I know I have very thick accent, especially, you know, when I, when I watch myself recorded, you know, and how I talk, I'm like, Oh my God, why do I talk like that? But it's, you know, it's the accent because I, I, I grew up speaking another language. Yeah. Actually, one of, one of the great things I'm doing, I have an app. I found about it through Salma Hayek. She talked about it on an, on a <gasps> show. Salma. And my daughter's name is Salma, by the way. Oh, I love that name. And obviously Salma Hayek influenced the decision. <laughs> Not only her, but she influenced, you know, she, like, she's a great Salma. Yeah. But there's an app Salma talked about her husband used called Elsa. And like it, it, it trains your accent. It's, it use AI. You talk to the app 10 minutes every day. That's such a good idea, isn't it? Cause you have like Duolingo and things like that to actually learn a language. But then now it's more about your accent and phrasing and kind of do, do you do more kind of casual things as well? Like conversational tips and yeah, you know, but you know, I think working on the language and the accent is really important. I see some people here. They put zero effort in improving their language and they don't, they don't even care about it. And you can do that, you know, but it's only going to limit you, not anyone else. You're only the person who's going to be limited and affected by your language. One, one time I got really stuck on the phone and I got sick of it. I was like, okay, I'm getting Elsa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. We'll have to link it so that people can check it out. Cause I definitely have heard, heard of that too. And it, yeah, it sounds like a really, a really great tool because that's that's the things that kind of niggle your mind when you you know that you have the language skills now and you can communicate but it's you, it, oh, it makes you so kind of self-conscious if you think that you're gonna even say something a little bit wrong or wanting to be perfect so yeah yeah you know so like yeah sometimes it can get unhealthy so when I came here I used mm. to be ashamed of my accent right and I was gonna say what was it like when you first moved here yeah. yeah then I was like okay this is part of me I gotta accept it you know I, I, I what helped me to accept it is like I have some uh, people I look up to and they have accent and they in total peace with it. And I was like, if he is in peace with his accent, why I am not? Well, it's definitely, it's a part of who you are. And also, I just want to say your accent is very clear. So <laughs> I know it's probably your um, your own little voice in your head that's saying that because I was the same in France, but it's, mm. it's very clear. Like there's no misunderstanding you at all. So, and I love this. I love what you said about how there's all these celebrities now. You know, I absolutely love Sofia Vergara. I think she's amazing from uh, Modern Family. Um, and she always is so open about her accent and um yeah there was a funny meme i saw on social media a long time ago and like one guy asking the other like why do you have an accent and the guy responded to him i don't know why don't you speak another language <laughs> exactly <laughs> i know but yeah so what was it like when you first got here then you said that you were ashamed of it was that one of your kind of biggest struggles when you first got here i guess well when i came here i was concerned about Speaking English before, you know, getting concerned about my accent, I started thinking about my accent later when I started talking uh, English uh, more proficiently. But it was hard because even though I went to the States, that was ten year, almost 10 years before I come to Canada. It was only a month and a half. Like, I, I only remembered so much from it. 
It's such a big part of integrating into a community as well. If you're worried about that kind of thing and it's holding you back, then, you know, to try and integrate into Canadian culture and merge in with your new home, it's, it can be a real barrier. Cause I, I know when I was in France, you know, it was really isolating for obvious reasons, but it also made me like very sad because I felt like, I wasn't myself anymore. You know, I couldn't mm. communicate my personality and my sense of humor and who I am to people. I was, yep. I was coming across as, you know, slow spoken, reserved and yep. quiet and shy because I had these hang ups in the back of my head. So yeah, yeah. there's that whole element to it as well. You know, you just look at someone who is speaking English as a second language, but they could be a whole nother person in, in their native language. So yeah, 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 you can't be authentic. And you know what? Uh, mm. something as the pressure for me is like two years before I moved to Canada, I applied for my dream job in Dubai and I was the perfect candidate. Someone, so the guy who used to work there, he quit and they were looking for some people and I knew him. So he recommended me. They were so excited to meet me. When they called me, I got shocked that the interview was in English and they were looking for someone to talk in English. And they uh, ended up not giving me the job just because I didn't speak English uh, proficiently, which I didn't, you know, like I, I couldn't understand most of the words she said and I couldn't even respond. So, which is ironic, but I'm really happy it didn't, I didn't take it because if I took it, I would be probably now in Dubai, not in Canada. So, right. you know, like universe working for me, but um, I, I, in my as a person, I hate to be limited by something, especially if I can control it or change it. Yes. So I was like, so when I came here, like I attacked that, like, okay, I'm not going to let this limit me. I was aware how it can, you know, limit my career options, my success options. So I, I, I worked on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because you mentioned that before about how you came into Canada with the mindset that it's going to be hard and you're going to have oh, challenges yeah. and you you didn't leave anything to to be shock shockable. It was more like, okay, I'm starting from scratch and it's going to be okay. So that's a really great tactic, I think. It was still shocking, even though I was I, I thought I was prepared. Yeah. <laughs> you can only prepare so much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it definitely takes time and and patience to build up those language skills and the confidence. But um, yeah, what would you tell a person who, who's about to move here then um, how to how to kind of successfully integrate and merge into Canadian culture? Because I know that you're particularly proud of, of what you've achieved there. So uh, the first thing I would say, be careful who you talk to about Canada and get advice from. Because I knew some Canadians back home or like Jordanians, Canadians, and I used to, like, they were the only Canadians I know, and they gave me really bad advice. Like, when I told them I can't, I'm coming to Canada, they, they made me feel like I made the worst decision in my life. And when I came here, they were like, oh, my God, there's no job here. There's no work. You're going to starve. It's so cold. You're going to get depressed. <laughs> and, 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 and they, I believe them. The doom. Yeah, but with overtime, I'm like, oh, my God. They're very ordinary people. They don't put any effort in finding jobs. And, you know, like once I found a job, one of my jobs, like the, the people there, they were, they were hiring and they were struggling to find people. But everybody outside, they're saying, um, there's no jobs in Canada. And I, I, I want to talk more about this. But going back to your question, for any people want to come here, yeah, make sure, you know, just be careful who you're talking to about coming here. Once I started talking to the right people, like, yo, man, it's easy here. You got to start small. You got to start from scratch and you can build up yourself easily. 
And I think I got really, really, really blessed with a set of friends, like five or six friends in downtown Toronto. They were extremely successful. They all had completed their master's degrees. They're all successful in their careers. And like most of them, they're like one, two or three years younger than me. But like they're really successful. And they took me in. I just sit, you know, when they talk, you know, they would gather every Friday night. And I would go there and I, you know, I, I wouldn't even dare to talk because whenever I talk, like I feel I'm so stupid next to them. They talk about investment. They talk about technology. <laughs> they talk about like they made this invest in, uh, investment. They bought that stock. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm just going to shut up. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> but they really pushed me, you know, to be a better person. When I started applying for jobs, I which we should talk about also, yeah. like they helped me a lot because I lost my self-confidence at some point. Yeah, it's so true. It's such a big, big issue. And I've talked about it a lot about this whole doom around the job search as a newcomer. And um, yeah, it, th- there's real challenges that people go through for it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely about who you surround yourself with. I totally agree. And there's a lot of negativity around it as well. And that's just never going to help you if you have that mindset that it's going to be difficult and you you know it's not going to go anywhere and yeah you got to surround yourself with people that kind of drive you and inspire you and kind of keep you going through through the challenges so how did you find that group of people so i knew one guy of them who's palestinian and visited jordan like two years ago before i moved to canada and i met him one time just by chance like we were all gathering for food like so many friends and because I was interested and in planning to come to Canada, like I sat next to him, I asked him about Canada and I just had him on Facebook and like he barely knew me, you know. And one day, like when we used to live in London, Ontario, my wife had an event for her school in downtown Toronto and I called him, I told him, I'm coming for the day. I have no place to go. Can I come to your place and, you know, spend the day with you? I even had my daughter with me. Like I went to his place, I changed her diaper uh, on his bed, like... Uh, <laughs> And, and that's how I met him. And But we still didn't, you know, I didn't live in Toronto. So like uh, I went back to London. But once we moved to Toronto, I connected with him and I was very uncomfortable to hang out with him and his friends because, again, every time I would do that, I would feel I'm so stupid next to them. Mm. But I knew that's that's the only way I can push myself with them. And yeah, they were very welcoming, honestly. Like I give them so much credit all the time. They helped me, you know, they they were aware of my situation and they wanted, they saw me, I'm trying. So they gave me that opportunity, you know? Oh, that's so great. So yeah, let's talk about your, your job journey then, because I absolutely love your, your journey throughout all of these roles. So I'll quickly do a summary and then we can kind of go through each stage that you went through. Because I think it's a really inspiring way of, of looking at it really. And, and how far you've come. It's only five years, remember, right? It's, it's, it's great. So you started off, um, as a Domino's pizza delivery and Uber driver, because as you were mentioning, your wife was a student. So she was gone during the days. So you had to look after your one year old. And daycare was super expensive, right? So you guys were struggling with that. So you picked up the, uh, the evening shifts as, um, as in those part-time roles. Uh, then you finally got your first time, your first full-time job. Uh, and that eventually led to, uh, getting an engineering consulting job as the least qualified candidate. So we'll definitely talk about how on earth you did that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then finally quitting that job, uh, in 2021 and starting your own consulting and coaching businesses. So yep. yeah, to go from pizza delivery and Uber driver to, to an entrepreneur and, and in the field that you're really passionate about. Uh, I think that's really the dream of us all. So, um, 
yeah how let's start with the first the first piece there how what was it like tell us do you have any stories experiences about about your time in uh pizza delivery and yeah yeah of course so a jordanian guy who i met in jordan once i came here i found by chance that he lives in london ontario so i didn't even know he is there so we connected immediately and i went and i saw him in a, in a Tim Hortons, and he told me, you got to start delivering pizza. It's a good paying uh, job. It's very flexible. It's a good start. And I started just driving to all... Uh, he, he actually said food delivery. So I started going to... I, I went to Burger King, and I was like, guys, are you hiring drivers? And they were like, we don't deliver. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So then... Uh, I applied for Tim Horton's job. They didn't take me because I didn't speak English. Uh, I remember the interview. Then I applied for shoppers. They didn't take me because I don't speak English. Then I went to several Domino's pizza locations. And I was, guys, uh, I'm looking to deliver pizza. And I found two locations are hiring. And they ended up hiring me. And it was really interesting because the store I worked for, it was the second Domino's pizza store in the world. The first in Canada. Wow. It was like the second busiest store in Canada. So I got lucky with that. It's in London, Ontario on Warncliffe Street. So it was like a roller coaster for me, keeping up with with orders, with people. And at the same time, it was really hard for my ego because back home, since I graduated, I worked for my dad. I was running his companies and now I'm this guy who delivers pizza and then clean the dishes and wipe the floor after the shift ends. That was really hard for my ego, but like I knew that's part of it. And like I I had to to deal with my ego and I'm not going to let it stop me. You know, I knew that was wrong even to feel Mm -hmm. bad about it. And it's what was working for you and your family at the time, right? And oh, yeah. Nothing's permanent. So it just shows like the value of part-time work and the flexibility that it brought you. And yeah. you're building your Canadian resume at the same time. So yeah, there's, it's all about mindset again. Yeah. 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 Awesome. It, it was really good, honestly. And you know, it was exhausting, but again, I was just a guy who trying to make money to feed his wife and daughter. So I tried to focus on that. I would take extra shifts whenever I can, uh, till we moved to Toronto. Uh, because my wife got a co-op job in Toronto and this is a very interesting situation because she got like three co-op offers two in London Ontario one in Toronto and the Toronto was uh Toronto one was the least paying one the, the least paying one but we went for it because we knew the chances for us to find better job opportunities in Toronto are way better than London Ontario mm-hmm and it was crazy, crazy time. Like we literally moved to Toronto. We had like maybe 120 bucks in our bank account. We didn't have the rent for next month. And the first day we arrived, like we didn't know anybody. Even the guys I, I told you, they became my best friends. Back then, I didn't even know them. We had all our stuff in a U-Haul parked downstairs and I have nobody else to help me. It was only me, my one-year-old daughter and a U-Haul full of stuff. And I had to find people on Kijiji, pay them 260 bucks just to unload the U-Haul into my place. And the next day I went to the, the closest Domino's Pizza and I was like, guys, I need to work. <laughs> I'm ex- I've been delivering pizza for like seven months. And they, they took me in, but it was not making as much money as in London, Ontario, because in London back then there was no 
food delivery apps, the only way to get food delivered to your house was either Domino's Pizza or Pizza Hut. That's it. Now they have all the apps uh, that so deliver. So choice. Yeah. Oh. So when I came to Toronto and it was, you know, there's no parking spots. I always get parking tickets. Uh the traffic i'm all stuck in traffic so it was the condos too i always think you know you have to go up to all yeah. the different floors and people and not picking so up time. yeah people not picking yeah. up their phones to open the, the door it was very hard then in july i just called a friend who helped me to come to canada and he picked me from the airport and i i, I just called him to complain to him like i'm God, like man i can't take it anymore and the first thing when he picked up the phone, he was like, oh my God, I forgot about you. I just quit my job and they're looking for someone. Would you like to take my position? I'm like, yes, please sign me up before I know what is it, you know? I love so. it. The value of complaining. There you go. That's the, that's the, sum, that's the lesson of the, the moral of the story. So we used to live in, London, in downtown Toronto and the job was in Mississauga in a, a glass plant where I do very basic uh, AutoCAD stuff. AutoCAD drafting and so this is the industry that you were you were in back in Jordan. So this is the engineering industry, or it's not really point. engineering. Like it, they don't need an engineer to do that. A big step in the right direction. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I took it because it sounded smart. It's called CNC programmer, even though there's nothing programming about it. Just drawing AutoCAD, you know, drawings for glass to be cut in the machines and the CNC machines. But I took it because it sounds a professional. I used to make less money in this job than Domino's Pizza, for sure. Mm. Or even Uber. So in, even in London, yeah, I, I, I used to d- do Uber from time to time, but th- the pizza was the main thing. In Toronto, I couldn't do Uber because they had like um, um, a legal age for the car, so you can do Uber. And my car was really old van, so I couldn't right. do it in, in Toronto. I took the job in Mississauga. I started making less money. And my wife ended her co-op, so she's not making any money. And we had to put our daughter in a daycare that we used to pay 1800 a month. And we have no kind of, you know, child benefit or anything because we didn't have permanent residency back then. My wife was on a student visa. I was on a work permit visa. So I ended up doing full-time job in Mississauga. Drive back to Toronto at 6 o'clock. I would start my pizza shift till midnight go back home, pass wow. out to the next morning. I was exhausted. I was, I was, I was like dying from the inside, but like there was no option for me to stop. Yeah. So I, I kept grinding. Um, I was depressed, of course, till my wife finally got her job, her first job. And then I could quit the pizza, just do one job finally. Mm. Then three months after she joined her company, they had an opening for energy modeler. She told me, you got to apply. And I was like, oh my God, no. I had zero self-confidence. I, I didn't feel I deserve it. I didn't think like, are you serious? This is engineering, consulting stuff. Like, no, no. Like I've been delivering pizza, doing auto, uh, AutoCAD drafts. That's that's the, the most I do. That's where my friends came in and they, they told me, you got to have some self-confidence. They helped me a lot. Um, so I submitted a cover, uh, you know an application and they emailed me for an interview so when i prepared for that job for that job interview i prepared for it like my life depends on it so for (laughs) for six days i stopped going to the gym every day i get home at uh, 5 p.m till 11 p.m every single day six hours preparing for that interview 
So I had zero experience in what they, what they wanted to, uh, me to do or, you know, they were asking for. But, like, I, I scratched the surface of, the, of some of the things they do in my senior year project at the college. So I, I opened my Dropbox. I found my files from the senior year project. And I studied that thing like I have an exam the next day. And then I studied, you know, the, the whole company. I studied, I studied the manager who's going to, you know, interview me. I saw their LinkedIn for six days. I even I went with my friends and like we did mock interviewing for like five hours. I made them ask me every single question in the world that can be asked in any job interview. So I went prepared and I got the job. Uh, thankfully and later you know once I was in the company one time I was looking for files on the server and I ran into the job posting that I applied to so I was curious I was like okay let's see who applied also and when I when I checked the other people who applied they were all had you know degrees in Canada and I didn't so so many of them had master's degree I didn't all of them had previous experience in the field I didn't but I'm wow. I'm hundred percent sure nobody prepared for that interview like I did. So when I came in, you know, when they mentioned a software, like I watched like five hours tutorials for that software. So I started talking in details with them. So these guys like were like, oh my god, yeah, he, he did his homework. He he's serious about it. Yes. You had a passion for it, yeah. Yeah, so that was, you know, uh, amazing experience. That's where I, I, I consider my Canadian experience finally actually started working on a corporate. It was interesting. It just shows that they, that people hire people. They hire the people that they like. And if you're coming across as passionate and you've done your research, but then you, you've probably clicked with that interviewer as well. Cause you mentioned you looked him up and you knew about him as well. So yeah. all of those small things that you did. Yeah, you made that connection with that interviewer and wow, what yeah. that's that's such a great example of not being disheartened if you're if you're underqualified for something and to just go for all opportunities because yeah, it yeah. can work out. You know, Kate, I think people they're not looking for qualifications. They're looking for hard workers who's serious, mm-hmm. who who just wanna do work. You know, like three years after I was in the company, one one day I was with my manager on one on one meeting. And he told me, you know what is the only thing I remember from your resume? I was like, what? He said, that you play violin. Because back then, I used to learn how to play violin. That's the only thing stuck with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, I was not even sure to put it in my resume or not. But I was like, I'll put it. It's a skill. I worked yes. hard for it, you know? So It's part of your personality, yeah. yeah. A couple list of hobbies, for sure. I've got that too. I don't know what they say. But... Yeah. So it yeah. was really great wow. journey with them. And, and this is a very important, you know, point where it connects to when we started the call. I talked about make sure who you're listening to. So in my, in my AutoCAD drafting job, when I quit, they started looking like for someone to hire. So I gave them my two weeks notice. I trained four people in two weeks and none of them stick. Everybody comes one or two days. They found that this is not a really fancy job. They quit. But then they go and they keep complaining, oh, there's no jobs in Canada. Nobody can find job in Canada. But nobody's willing to work hard or bust themselves to for it. You know, they just want to start with manager position. Right. Yeah. So. And that's, it's so, 
It's so inspiring as well, honestly, because being able to look back on that whole journey and just see how far you've come and then how resilient you've been and the sacrifices you've made and all the compromises for the good of your daughter and your family with the foresight of building a future for yourself here. It just shows that every step, like you were saying, however small, it might not be that management position. You know, it's heading in the right direction and you could choose one thing that you then meet one person that just opens a whole nother door for yourself. So you just have to keep making those steps. Yeah, this is actually one of the points I wrote down. Networking, put yourself out. For me, one event changed the, the, the whole trajectory of my life three years ago when I attended an event. They had a sponsor talked about human trafficking and that triggered my whole project that like, what is human trafficking? How do I protect my daughter from? There's nothing about prevention, all the resources about how to help her after being trafficked. Right. And I learned, okay, preventing human trafficking going to prevent her from being taken advantage of from other people, from toxic boyfriends, from toxic friends. This is how my project was born. It was like, it didn't start like with, oh, I have a business idea. I want to coach the ass of daughters. No. Right. You got that little jolt of inspiration. Yeah. yeah. And that's so important. What what an amazing trajectory too, to go from, you know, all the different the areas that you've been in to now doing something that, you know, it's really close to home with your daughter and you're passionate about it. It's a scary world for daughters. Yeah, this is where it comes from. And I've been working on it for three years. I should be launching my course or coaching program soon, teaching dads of daughters how to raise strong and resilient daughters through the power of fatherhood. And it's been a great journey, you know, with all the struggle. One day, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I lose my job or, you know, my project does not work out. I'm very confident I'm going to be able to go out and find another job because I'm a hard worker. I'm going to show up. I'm going to prepare. It's really easy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's knowing your value for sure. And it, it's a process to get there. But yeah, once you know it and you, yeah, it's, you don't compromise after that. But you know, okay, there's, there's very important, you know, uh, perspective to all my story is like, I'm not a super guy or anything unique. I'm, I'm a very normal person. And it just by struggling, just you being struggled doesn't mean you're gonna go forward because you can struggle in a job for the rest of your life. So when I was delivering pizza, I, between, you know, when, when it's slow, I sit, you know, next to my car and I have a book and start reading about making online funnels, how to do digital marketing. And the guys would come like, what are you, what, why are you reading? And I would respond because I'm not planning to do this for the rest of my life. Right. When I'm in the car, I'm always learning and uh, listening to podcasts while, while, while delivering pizza. That was actually the fun part. I get to listen to stuff I want all day, you know, because I'm in my car most of the time. So through this journey, I invested thousands of dollars in books and online courses i just like my weekend people they spend it on netflix i spend it reading and just you know developing myself so it didn't just come you know naturally by struggling struggling enough is not is not enough yeah oh, i love that it's it's just it's it's sometimes hard to hear it's probably a tough lesson to to have if you're struggling yourself um but i think it is really important to 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 look at yourself if things aren't working out if you're feeling in a rut and it's been a long time and nothing's getting better it's probably time to look at what you're doing and the strategies that you're doing and you know if they're not working which if they're clearly not then it you know it's time to think outside of the box and you know host an event or you know like what I did to to kickstart my career or yeah. you know like what Malik did you know just start studying and and doing you know developing yourself and your skills and 
you know, there's ways to to take steps in the right direction, where you know, however small they are. And um, yeah, I think you're an absolute poster child for that. You've you you're not afraid. You you clearly don't have any fear to to chase that and to 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 kind of get on. The Actually, right I have so. fear. I was terrified even when I quit my last job, <laughs> like in, in this uh, previous August. I was terrified because I worked really hard to get there, and yeah. and I didn't have much of savings, but I was just. I kept, you know, like one of the things I learned that helps me move forward is whenever you want to take a risk, rather than, you know, focusing on what you may lose, focus on what you may lose if you don't take this risk, what you're going to miss out by not doing it. Mm. So this helped me a lot to move forward, honestly. And what helped me also is I'm not I'm not afraid of going back and deliver pizza again if I need to. I'm gonna I can start tomorrow. I or I actually started pulling weeds and it sucked. I was like terrified. Oh my god! I don't want any ticks come on me and you know or, or I, I, it was very uncomfortable. But I know what it, I do. What I need. What what need what needs to be done. You know. Yeah. Amazing. So where can people find you if they want to connect with you and hear more about your story? So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I guess you're going to post a link to my LinkedIn somewhere. Yeah. So you can. I sure will. Yeah. Uh, you can find me the best way on LinkedIn or Instagram also. Like I'm both on, uh, I'm on those uh, both uh, platforms very active. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Kate. It was really fun. And thank you for this project. I really wish... This your platform was here when I moved to Canada five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know I I'm, I do as well. I wish that there was a little me five years ago because that was me as well. Twenty seven. Well, you took so. action, so thank you. And I'm pretty sure it's gonna keep growing and get much greater resource. Yes, I hope so. And it helps, you know, getting people like yourself to share their stories. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.